Ready, go. Dude, don't. There's no reason to do that. She can just record. <laughs> it's, this isn't like film. We're super stoked to launch Freight 2025, Forecasting the Future, our new book sponsored by Launched Public Relations. Canadian Pacific Teamsters settle their strike. And Brazilian owner-operators shut down the highways. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we talk about all these topics and more this week on What the Truck. JP, what you got going on there, dog? Bells too hard. Stop it with that. Well, uh, let's not hear anything more about that since what? you drink it every single time. Oh, you got you got more to talk about? I'm just admiring the beautiful orange hue of the top of the can as it you know, sort of is nestled in my koozie. Do you ever feel like uh, branching out and trying something new? No. Ever? Never? No. Like, really? You would never... No, I'm, a, I'm a creature um, of habit. Uh, well, I, you know, anyway, I'm trying something new each and every week. JP, and right now I'm trying something from Left Hand Brewing Company, a milk stout. Uh, it's, you know, it's really good. I think it, it, it probably kind of replaces the, the old Guinness that everybody used to drink. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's super smooth. It's got this soft roastiness, like kind of some mocha notes. You know what you never get in your beer? Mocha? Notes. That's right. Oh, and notes. roastiness. Notes. You, you never, well, mocha notes. As you, yeah. you, know, you don't get that because you always drink the same thing. So, like, you might want to branch oh, out. Oh, you're talking about me personally. I thought you were no. just talking about like, the general no. you. Wow, you're just, like, calling me out. <laughs> you're like you that sticks with the same thing every time. Like I, I get notes. I'm not calling I have, I have grapefruit notes, dude. Uh, I've got... I meant mocha roasted oh, notes. Oh, yeah, no. I don't get, we I, arguing? I don't get mocha roasted anyway, notes. Anyway. Um, yeah, true. Well, um, uh, someday you may want to branch out a little bit, but... Well, you know what I have to, to say to that? You. What, what's that? Open up a two-hearted. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, congratulations. You know, uh, we got a lot going on uh, this this week, um, more than we can really take on. We've got an exciting interview for our listeners with Susan yeah, Fall. Yeah, um, Susan Fall is um, she runs Launch It Public Relations, and they represent a bunch of really cool companies um, that's sort of at the intersection of trucking and technology, and it's really cool that she got behind our our freight twenty twenty five forecasting the future project. It you know wouldn't have been possible without her support, and it's so cool because there's it's jam packed full of different thought leaders, different like uh, you know everything from engineers to executives to data scientists to journalists, all just sort of taking a different angle on where our industry is going. Yeah, and, t- and we're announcing it officially. It's up. We've got the, 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 the page for it. We've got the link. Yeah, you so can it's get a, an ebook version of it on right. our website. It's freightwaves.com slash freight dash 2025. And that's easy enough to remember. It's the title of the book. Uh, and basically the idea here is that we asked industry experts and insiders in the logistics industry to share their visions and articulate their hopes and fears. How clearly are we seeing toward the future right in front of us and immediately beyond? We asked them what they were seeing as the next big thing, the headwinds, the tailwinds, the innovations we're already celebrating, and the adjustments necessary to keep up and stay ahead. 
And we thought of this project as being sort of descriptive rather than prescriptive. Right. Instead of like telling the contributors like what to write about, we just wanted to kind of get a survey of all these really smart people and see like what they were already working on and what they were talking about. And so it ranges broadly, um, you know, across like economic and marketplace trends. There's stuff about blockchain, stuff about autonomous trucks connected vehicles, 3D printing, the electrification of the transport industry, and all the possibilities that we see like in the next, you know, whatever near term future for rail, maritime, air freight, everything like that. And and people also like weighed in on things like, you know, leadership and creativity, strategy, game theory, and just like how to get it done. And we basically just like said, let it rip. Like, just tell us what's on your mind. And we wanted something provocative, readable, and also data driven. And we feel like that's really what we got. Yeah. Kind of like freight waves itself. So, I mean, you know, the sections, they're, they're all kind of a little bit of everything. They touch on logistics, supply chain, uh, and just the challenges and perils of innovation. Super excited about this book. Shout out again to Susan Fall and Launch It for making this happen, at least on the scale that we did. We distributed this uh, last week at the Transparency 18 event to about 800 people to begin with. And one of the cool things we mentioned is we interviewed Susan Fall during this Yeah, time. and we're going to present that interview um, a little bit later in this podcast. And she'll talk about you know what she does. Uh, the kinds of things that she's seen change in the industry since her days at Qualcomm, which was uh, you know a technology company that sort of right. uh, pioneered putting GPS on trucks, and we'd really just get her perspective and um, kind of the the rationale behind behind our project. That's right, and so we will be presenting that to you momentarily. One of the headlines of the week that we. Uh, that certainly we we uh, kept everybody close to date. Yes, with. John Kingston issuing a <laughs> flurry of articles about yes. the Canadian Pacific uh, Teamsters strike. Right, lots of updates, which actually ended up being resolved. It's it, it appears so far. Uh, you know, it it. it it found a quick resolution. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, and what 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 what's the uh, general uh, consensus about? Give us a tiny bit of background, JP, if right. you could, about what what was the issue, and then do you, can you remember the terms of the resolution, such as it stands? So right they now? haven't actually announced the official terms of the resolution. It's still a tentative deal. It's but, tentative, yeah. But here's the thing. So two groups of workers for Canadian Pacific Railway went on strike the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers and the larger Teamsters uh, you know, union that was representing locomotive engineers and conductors, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> okay, so this is actually the third time in six years that the Teamsters have threatened a, a strike. And the IBEW was right there with them. They managed to settle and reach an agreement with uh, CP management just before the deadline passed. So only the Teamsters actually walked out. About 3,000 workers and it completely shut down the railway. Which, you know, if you don't... Indicates that they mean business. If you're not familiar with the Canadian Pacific, you know, it's a Canadian railway, obviously mostly located in southern Canada. 
uh, majority of the density in the network is west of Winnipeg. Yes. But it actually stretches down into Minneapolis, uh, Chicago, Kansas City. It goes through Ontario. So actually, yeah, which we show graphically on the freight yeah, website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Connects, you know, Detroit to Windsor. It goes to all but, you know, uh, upstate New York, all that, all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so the Canadian Pacific Management instituted a new labor relations sort of strategy in the past few years. And they've been, essentially, they've been firing a lot of union employees over the past five years, a lot of complaints. So the, there okay. are a lot of issues, and this is all sort of boiling to a head. Um, there have been a few disputes in the past, like I indicated, you know, three uh, strike yes. threats in the past six years. The interesting thing about this one is that it seemed like Canadian Pacific was trying to manufacture a crisis in order for the Canadian government to I- issue some kind of get back to work legislation. Mm. And what the real um, the the fulcrum in this in this uh, conflict was Justin Trudeau the Canadian prime minister yeah. making a public statement saying we are not getting involved in this. We are letting uh, collective bargaining take place and do its thing. And so then shortly after that, there was, you know, you know, basically a day long strike. Then they reached a tentative four year long contract uh, renegotiation and, you know, they're back in business. Good. That's, that's, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. And, and it seems and so like, what, and they're, they're happy that they say that, you know, the, the Teamsters say that their, their families will be happy. The, the 12,000 people that it affects. And yeah. And we'll see, you know, hopefully, hopefully if now. they, if hopefully if both sides have gotten a deal that they're comfortable with for the next four years and they finalize that, then, you know, business can proceed as usual. The railway can operate without any more hiccups and there won't be this constant sort of, uh, environment of confrontation with management um, like there has been for the preceding season. I'm optimistic that it will be. It looks like the Teamsters are pleased with um, where the and, negotiations and to be, to, to be honest, like everyone knows that Canadian National Railway basically has the same network. And okay. if they shut down, they're just going to pick up all the volume. Like they know that they, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like they know yeah. that they, it's not really helping anyone to have an extended uh, work stoppage. Uh, what's interesting is that, you know, based as we are in uh, the United States, we've had a strike uh, above us to the north in right. rail. Oh, and yes, we have yes, now yes. also our next headline, um, the Brazilian owner operator shutting down the highways. We're having a strike to the south in Brazil Kind of a bigger deal. Oh, way and bigger deal. And you covered deal. the story. Way bigger deal. Yeah, man. Give us some background on this. So this is kind of complicated. Um, I'm going to break it down as quickly as possible. But basically, the two previous um, socialist administrations right. of Brazil had... Lots of corruption. A little bit of corruption. Yeah. Well, okay. A lot of corruption. Um, but that's not the point. The point right. is that um, okay. the state-owned oil company, Petrobras was basically subsidizing the cost of, you know, gasoline and diesel fuel. So they were buying fuel, you know, oil on the open market, on the international market, and selling it for a cheaper price, a fixed cheaper price, to Brazilian consumers. And the state, and you know, the Brazilian government was massively subsidizing that. So when um, uh, President Dilma Rousseff was removed from office in 2016, 
she was replaced by a more conservative uh, open markets guy um, named Michel Temer. And his administration... And boy, is he under some heat right now. Oh, he's the (laughs) most unpopular president in Brazilian history. Um, And it's kind of shaky right now. You know, a lot of people perceive his sort of uh, administration as being illegitimate because it came from this impeachment, but blah, blah, blah. Um, The point is that he has changed the policy of the government so that Petrobras no longer subsidizes artificially low diesel prices. Now... The price of diesel diesel fuel in Brazil will float with international crude oil benchmarks. Just you know, similar to how against it does, the U.S. dollar, yeah, is their yeah, benchmark. Yeah, well, yeah, right. And it's gone high. And so it's basically it's more than doubled, um, and it's really pinching the owner operators in Brazil, as you would imagine, who who don't enjoy you know the fuel surcharges of larger fleets and things like of that. Of course, it's coming right out of their pockets. And so they all went on strike. Um, yeah. I guess it's been about 12 days now. Wow. They, uh, Shutting down highways. They erected hundreds of roadblocks all across the highway system of Brazil with their, using their own vehicles. And what and what are some of the effects that you itemized in your story? Like, I Well, mean, okay, for one thing. So many things so, are happening. I mean, one of the major things is that, you know, there's shortages of goods all across the country. Everything from, you it's know. shutting down the country, effectively. Slowly but surely, it's, they have a stranglehold on the economy. So, like, grocery stores are running out of have run out of fresh food, but also things you don't even think of, like the fact that you know gasoline is delivered to gas stations in trucks. Yeah, they're that's running no, out of that's gas. That's no longer happening. Happening, so no one can even drive anywhere. Like the university, down schools. The universities have shut down. Um, even like farmers can't get feed delivered to their. Uh, they're slaughtering chickens early or something. You, you wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Guardian reported on that. Okay. Um, so it's been kind of crazy. Crazy. And, and it's already crazy in Venezuela. I mean, wow, what a crazy, like... Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's crazy in South America. And, you know, I know a lot of owner-operators frequently in North America say right. that they feel like they should strike right. to to raise uh, Yeah, the, you, you always see you people know, threatening yeah. that, saying, like, this is the yeah. only way. Like, is, it we're just, gonna is it just rhetoric or... I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, nothing's... I don't know if it's just the organizational strength of OIDA isn't enough to like propel that. I don't know if it's because owner operators feel like they have too much to lose or if we have a strong economy, it's a larger, more diverse. Yeah. uh, And it's just just not as ideological. Like on the one hand, OIDA is functions almost like a labor union for um, owner operators and independent drivers. But on the other hand, the actual people that do that are pretty independent guys who aren't just going to you know they're the, you know they're not like your typical union members who are you know rank and file and they're going to like follow what the what the governing committee says and go on strike and do this and do that so like, it's more complicated but more things complicated. are happening in the geopolitical sphere yeah it's two really big um transportation related labor disputes on this our week. northern side and our southern side yeah uh, and now it is time to play Big Deal or Little Deal, where Chad and JP run down the rest of the headlines that we can find fit to print within two minutes or less leading up to the Susan Fall interview. So, are you ready, Chad? Well, not really. But ready well, or not, here I come. Okay. Fuel prices surge over 30% from last year. Big Deal or Little Deal? 
I have to say little deal, even though I wrote this article. Uh, it's I, I feel like the peak, we've seen the peak, but it's not going to go down that much lower. Read the article to find out the details, but it's, 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 it's not that big of a deal for the tra- travel season. Go to Yellowstone if you want to. The Fed Beige Book survey highlights strengthening manufacturing, but also labor shortages. Big deal or little deal? This is another one of those things that I'm going to say is a little deal. It's a really great article by Ibrahim, but and it's very sophisticated. We got a lot of things going on with our economy right now, but there's a lot of anxiety. Things are growing, but there's no big news. Michelin commits to a sustainable, fully recyclable world of tires. Big deal or little deal? Well, I'm going to say big deal because, hey, isn't recycling a big deal? And (laughs) Michelin, uh, they currently uh, biosource 26% of their uh, natural rubber. They're going for 30%. But even that small amount will reach, uh, if they achieve those ambitions, it will save 33 million oil barrels every year. JP Shippo introduces new workflow that uses machine learning to make shipping easier. Big deal or little deal? It's a big deal. It's the direction the industry is going. All of the logistics management software is using AI and advanced analytics to um, help meet customer expectations. Big deal. Goods trade deficit narrows again as both exports and imports fall. Big deal or little deal? I'd say it's a big deal. Um, normally, when the American economy grows, our trade deficit actually widens because we import, you know, we consume more than we export. So, yeah, I'd say big deal. Is F one fifty production shutdown visible in freight market sonar data? It's a little deal, but it's really interesting that the uh, basically eight day shutdown in Detroit and Kansas City was visible in turndowns. Um, inbound and outbound of those markets. All right. Well, I talk too much, and so therefore we failed to achieve the uh, two-minute mark. Chad! But anyway, we what a fun uh, rundown of the headlines this week. And now, presenting Susan Fall. Welcome to What the Truck Transparency 18. Coming live to you, it's Chad and... JP? And we are excited to be sitting down with founder and president of Launch It PR, Susan Fall. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Great to have you here. I love being here. I'm a little bummed I don't have a beer to crack with you, but it's a little early for that. I know. I'm here drinking Diet Coke. They've got us working so hard. What are you going to do? Uh, we can survive. People are still you know, brimming off their coffee right now. Uh, we better not break with tra- tradition. Um, But uh, yeah, super fun, we're super pumped up, and we're buzzing with excitement, if not um, beer. So, (laughs) Susan Fall, um, we should say, in Launch It Public Relations, is the sponsor of Freight 2025, Forecasting the Future, which is the thought leadership book we put together for the conference. The inaugural book of Freight Waves, Freight 2025. Very excited to have put this together with about 30 uh, you know, names in the industry that have forecast the future, not only for until 2020, but all the way until 2025. We think that that'll keep the shelf life of this book just alive and cooking for years to come. Susan, what do you, what do you think about that? I'd have to agree with you on that. There's a lot of really insightful. I finished reading it on the plane and, oh, and wow. great, great insights in there. I think a lot is happening. A lot is happening. And I think a lot of these are going to happen in 2020 as well. 
I know yeah, we're pushing uh, to 2025. The, the, the rate things are moving right now. We're going to see some of this stuff happen in 2020. So the book has um, pieces from people in the financial industry, data scientists, uh, tech people, and software people. Um, guys, you know, who's and, and women who have spent their entire careers in asset-based transportation. It's really like pretty diverse group of perspectives all sort of forward-looking and it's just I think it's really cool um, that launch it back to this project I mean it kind of shows uh, how you guys are keeping your finger on the pulse of the industry and one word about um, launch it uh, you all were founded in 2000 and you chose to serve one industry and one industry only trucking and in particular, the role that technology plays in the North American trucking community. In that time, you have launched well over 100 products and services to the trucking industry, and you fully vet your clients, a little bit of a distinguishing factor from other PR firms. Uh, and the, the, uh, the clients that, that you vet, they must have a viable product that truly contributes to the industry. What do, what do you feel, why, why, why does it have to truly contribute? What do you mean by that? You know, I, uh, I, 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 I fell into this industry uh, by working with Qualcomm. I got a job, I'm from San Diego, got a job with Qualcomm in 1993, introduced, knew nothing about trucking, knew really nothing about technology, and my job was to, to travel the trucking trade shows and teach everyone about GPS. Seven years, fast forward to 2000, we saw a lot of companies trying to get into trucking and just make money. And yep. didn't know trucking, didn't know anything about oh. it. And a lot of the trucking companies got burned. And this is an industry that works on margin profits. We all know pennies, yes. pennies. And so I made a point when I left Qualcomm, started launching in 2000, was going to just serve trucking, but truly make sure that this was not a product that just you know, thought that they could make money off trucking and then bail out on it. Right. We've heard a lot um, at this conference about the difference between, like, a technology-driven solution versus a business-driven solution. People developing solutions and then looking for a problem versus uh, tech companies who go to their customers, find out what their issues are, and then try to create something right. that actually helps them out. And, and I think what happened a lot, and certainly happened back in the 90s, GPS cellular companies, they saw they saw what Qualcomm, Omnitrax were doing, they're like, wait, I have GPS, I can work for trucking. It's a very complex industry. We're seeing it happen with Uber. You know, people think, oh, we can it just is. Uberize freight. Oh, it's right. not that easy. No, and fragmented so industry, it's, it's, gigantic. And, and the people, there's so much involved, it's not, it's not as simple as people think. And and again, uh, tech companies will have a tendency, especially newer ones, and they're excited, they come in and, you know, trucking's a massive market, we're gonna work for them. Doesn't, your, their solution may not always work. Well, it's, yeah, and when you were, I mean, it's kind of like the industry's gotten like a lot cooler and hipper, like <laughs> this Transparency 18 event, I have to say, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's like, and so, but when you entered into it, say, you know, well, what was the attracting factor to you? Because I mean, there, you know, women, there aren't a lot of women in Let this Let me space. tell you, I can still remember my first, and I always joke, I, I don't know if Qualcomm was, was brilliant or just naive to send in a, you know, 25 year old 
surfer chick from California into these <laughs> trucking conferences, and right. I still remember my very first one. And it was an atrium style, so I could look down at what I was walking into. Yeah. It was probably six or seven hundred all men. I think I saw about two women, which were spouses. Sounds really I, um Yes, I ran back to my room and and busted open the the uh, the bar real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, the, what saved it was that I actually was teaching this group of, of people something. And it's in GPS. You gotta think back in '93, you hadn't heard of GPS. Your average, so it was a very basic. The global positioning system is a satellite, you know, group of satellites, blah blah blah. So it was a very, um, I could educate, and we were teaching how we could get rid of, you know, check calls and very basic things. Yeah, I heard about GPS in like the mid to late '90s as a as a way to help. You, you find fish better when you're fishing in a lake. And you didn't even, <laughs> you're exactly right. It was That's, not, we, we that was didn't a good have application. mapping. So it was an interesting, and a lot of people don't realize, you know, Qualcomm was testing their CDMA technology on trucks, on Omnitracks. Okay. So your phone, truck drivers were texting way before you and I. They yeah. were the ones seeing if text messages could work across country. That's your bet they so, were. Fast forward, I so ended it, up falling in, really. In a way, though, it's kind of interesting. We talk about trucking being slow to adopt technology, yeah. but sometimes they're, it seems like they're actually ahead of the curve. So I Because I'd, the problems are so complex that they face. I'd say hmm. in the 90s, they were they were in that respect, and I, and I really attribute a lot of it to Qualcomm um, because they were so, it's a brand new world of mobility and everything, and we could really see what it meant to the trucking industry in that respect. But it, then trucking has slowed down a bit because there just hasn't been, it hasn't been sexy, it hasn't been cool. It really, kind of the 2000s have been just very moving forward. And again, a lot of them got burned in the 90s. Um, right. okay. Trucking is a very um, thoughtful, they're gonna look at your product, they're gonna test it, they're gonna ask their friend, and they're gonna test it again and look at it some more. Well, so <laughs> yeah, and, and well, as you're talking about that, I'm I'm looking at your your essay that you wrote in 1925, <laughs> and you, you 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 kind of have some introductory thoughts about it, and then you write this this rhetorical question. You you write, how can an industry be so unbelievably necessary yet so disdained? Yep. And I, I want like what what do you what do you make of that? How do you answer that question? I think. Um, <laughs> I think one great thing that is happening with all right now is that for the first time we're seeing trucking in in mainstream media not in a negative note. Whenever you heard about trucking on yeah. anything to do with the news, it was because of an accident, pretty much. You never really heard anything about a driver shortage, boy, what could that mean? Your average citizen never under, really understands how you got product. All they know is they hate trucks. They're big trucks. They get in my way. Yeah. We should remove them all. Trucks shouldn't <laughs> drive during rush hour. And they get regulated. And they're they're told things like, okay, you can't drive between midnight and 5 a.m. This was a rule, and then now they've pulled it off without taking two 15-minute breaks. Okay, so where were these trucks going to pull over? And every time you pull no, over, that's night. an accident. Mm. It, it, yeah. All these things that, and it's because we don't like trucks. But right. When they people, take up room in our highways. And people are now big. realizing because of e-commerce, and I think people yeah. are starting to kind of realize the movement of goods more than they ever have before. I see that too. That, yeah, I think the e-commerce. You know, 
people never thought, oh, this carpet came by truck, this medicine, this food, this water, this all came by truck. People don't realize that. And people, I think with you know, the e-commerce, having more things delivered directly to your house, you think about just where's my stuff more, and then it leads people into being interested in track and trace, you know, whether it's Amazon or UPS or the post office. And so then you start thinking about these whole supply, like, oh, it, went, it started here, yep. it went here, it went you here, can, and it all makes you sense. You can visually see it now. My son is obsessed. He orders things on Amazon. He goes, can we look at it, Mom? And he likes to see that it left the, the FedEx facility in Memphis, and it's now en route or whatever, you know, and yeah. I think that opens up that ability to now people are understanding the movement of goods. Um, and it's... And people are more aware of like global trade and you know, things like that. The idea that products are moving back and forth on the value chain and you know, yep. being transformed from raw, raw materials into finished goods and coming and, to your house. So. And it's, it's true. We've always, the trucking, trucking industry has always been an economic indicator. We know six yeah. months in advance that wood isn't being hauled to a lumber yard to then build a house. We know all of these things that are happening. So it's always been an amazing and is an economic indicator. Right. And I think I, I think awareness now of it is, is a very big thing, an exciting thing that's happening that hopefully... Um, and in the business press, I think logistics companies are just getting treated with a lot more attention and respect. People realize how important they are, um, and you know, like you said, all, all of the different things that they can tell us about the overall health of the economy. Absolutely. And now our big, you know. I think, well, and I think it helps that um, that tech is getting so involved, right? The sexy tech startups, getting a little Silicon Valley in there. Absolutely. You know, connecting the dots. I feel like we're already segueing into what we were going to do for the five good minutes. Yeah. So this is, let's, we're doing good. Let's just keep going as we are. Right um, can you, so uh, we're, 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 we're going to ask this, this question. We're already answering it, but can, can, you've been talking a little bit about how things have changed. Well, um, on la last week's segment, Susan, we, we talked to um, uh, Ellen Voy, the president of Women in Trucking. Mm -hmm. she, was, she was great, delightful. Yeah. Um, and, and I was wondering, like, how, how are you seeing, like, kind of an emergence of, of maybe more women in, in this space, or are you? You know, that's interesting, and I love seeing. I was a founding board member of Women in Trucking as oh, well. I really? was there. Their very first sponsor, um, you know, so it's been interesting to watch, and I'm a huge fan, obviously. And, yeah. and um, yes, of course, we're seeing more women. It's still not. I mean, look around this room. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. It is yeah. what it is. At the end of the day, um, I, I, tech. Sure, there's more women coming in. It. It does have a tendency to be more male heavy. Um, oh yeah, even in tech. even yeah. in tech, yeah. but. It, I think for me, it's more the, um, uh, just the openness that's happening, the, the okay. awareness the, and the transparency that technology is starting to play. I think yeah. that, is, that is going to be a big role that will then roll into the awareness of it. You can start to see people are understanding things like the driver shortage and the you know, the, the mechanic, the maintenance shortage, there's all these things that are going to be happening. And yes, it would be fabulous if, if women can fill those roles. <laughs> yeah. Just being diverse is, is good. Right, right. So, Everything from just 
um, getting more eyes on a problem from different backgrounds to help understand it to, to just labor shortages like you say. Um, next question, what is the single biggest thing that you're excited to see in the coming year or, or two? You know, um, I mean, we know that there's a lot of things that we're all excited about in I general. Know. Is there a way to focus that in? Is there something in 2018 that may, is like that soon that you're excited about seeing? Or, or that is a. <laughs> You have to remember, I'm in PR, so I have a tendency <laughs> to go the more yeah. human side of things okay. sometimes okay. versus the tech side. Oh, that's, yeah, and that's and for me, the the human side of that is is the awareness of trucking, and I think that's and we may start okay. to see some respect from that, and I and that's what we need. Uh, we, we can have all the tech in the world; it's not going to solve anything if we don't have drivers driving these trucks or That's technicians right. repairing these trucks so until our next generation starts to replace these boomers that are retiring have <laughs> yeah. any interest in trucking and that's why my my thing i know i was kind of a play on words with bringing back the pony express we cannot we have to think of the human element behind trucking too and not keep these guys on the road for That's right. two months at a time. I've heard you say that. Time. I've heard it said a lot that this is actually very much of a relationship industry. 100%. You know? and, yeah. It, and, and I think that the tech plays a role in that, but we're not going to be... You can't automate everything. You can't, and I, you right. know, we have all these load boards. It's still relationship. We are still very, and maybe one day that will change, but it's not going to change overnight. And I think, I think for me, the excitement in this next year is that we really are seeing trucking viewed in a much more positive light than we ever have. Yeah, and the perception is changing. Everything. The Wall Street Journal yep. is writing, writing about it. You have these hip young tech companies that want to get in, and again, I think yeah. that's great understand what you're getting into yeah. understand right. this industry don't just look at the numbers and say oh there's millions of trucks out there that's for us understand this industry right. and and Amen. that's that's yeah. that is a good word uh, and understanding it is is seeking to find solutions and, and and trying to help improve you know not only efficiencies but the ways that we interact with each other yeah. absolutely Absolutely. Awesome. So excited to have you here. That was too. fun. We, we, we need to have a beer. Even I know. Even if it's not right here. Yeah, you know, we'll have one tonight. Know, discussing it sure. uh, <laughs> on, on the podcast. Um, just a different venue for them. But, man, everybody, you know, we're, look for in the coming weeks, uh, week and a half, I think, is, is the estimated date of actually having the Freight 2025 book live and downloadable. Uh, and um, you know, just just free from our site. So um, yeah. thanks again for your sponsorship of it. Yeah, Susan. that's exciting. That and is, uh, yeah, it's thrilled sh- to be in, involved with this book. Thank you. And may the shelf life live on. Ah, uh, right, amen. We, all right. <laughs> And that'll do it for the big stories this week. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. 
And if you're interested in freight economics and finance, come to our Market Waves Conference at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Convention Center in Grapevine, Texas, this November. Visit marketwaves18.com to learn more about this event. That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What What the the truck. Truck.